Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Welcome to Military Network Radio. We are glad to bring you a very interesting show today. This is a topic where silence has often been the norm, and we will be discussing sexual wellness, intimacy, and love after war, when injuries and illness may alter this very fundamental means of relationship connection. First, I'd like to welcome a guest co-host today. Tassambra Kimes is joining us. She's an Army veteran and now an entrepreneur. Welcome to the program, Tassambra. Good morning. Thank you for having me, Linda. It's a pleasure. And we welcome our guest, Dr. Mitchell Tepper, certified sexuality educator and counselor. And we will let Mitch talk more about his background and how he became involved in this. And we will take the conversation from there. Mitchell, welcome to the program. Thank you. And thank you for creating this really incredible platform. And as you said, you know, the area around sexuality and and the intersection of of disabilities, chronic conditions, mental health conditions have been, you know, in the silence. And I actually, in 1996, started a website to end the silence around sexual health and disability and chronic condition related uh, issues. So, you know, to have this opportunity to reach, you know, 2 million people uh, is is tremendous. So, uh, yeah, I personally, I got started um, in this out of a very personal issue. I say I dove head first into the area of of sexuality because I broke my neck while working as a lifeguard Mm -hmm. when I was 20 years old. So this was a very important issue to me. You know, my research started in intensive care, you know, and asking questions and, and and trying to convince nurses to help me figure out what I could and can't do. Uh, And I just took it to a a whole new level. So over the years I, I moved from, I was in business school when I broke my neck Uh, And I went back to school in public health and finally got a PhD in human sexuality education. So I'm actually a sexologist. And I I laugh because I was saying earlier before we began today that uh, when I first met a colleague of yours and she was at this big dinner table at a conference and she said, I am a sexologist, the table went silent until someone said, that's not even a real thing. But it absolutely is. So can you explain the difference between a sexual educator and a sexologist? So as a sexologist, I actually have a PhD in human sexuality education. Um, But so I'm a perpetual student of human sexuality. So uh, a sexologist uh, looks at human sexuality from a biopsychosocial, emotional, relational, spiritual perspective. So we, we are like a jack of all trades. So I'm not a licensed ment- mental health professional. Uh, the other person you were talking about, Dr. Linda, Linda Mona, yes. happens to be a psychologist who's also trained in human sexuality. Uh, my my one focus is is human sexuality as far as uh, but that it's from a a, a degree in education um, from the University of Pennsylvania. So I'm not a licensed mental health professional. Uh, many people who are sexologists are not licensed mental health professionals. But I've got a lot of training in every aspect of human sexuality, as I said, from the biology 
to the psychology, mm-hmm. to the social cultural issues, to the moral issues, the you know the the relational issues, the spiritual issues, and 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 I've done you know research. So my my research, you know, uh, whole program was developed on beginning looking at the issue of pleasure and orgasm in people with spinal cord injuries. Once again, I have a spinal cord injury. Uh, you know, I have my own kind of. Um, process of sexual self-discovery, which I, which I call it, and, and I was fairly good at figuring things out and eventually started to share that with other people, uh, both informally uh, and then formally as a, as a doctor in human sexuality or as a sexologist. You know, Mitch, I think one of the things that people don't, it isn't something that people think of offhand, um, but a lot of failed intimate relationships may lead to intimate partner violence, substance abuse, depression, obviously relationship stress, and divorce. And when we're talking about combat veterans uh, returning, this is obviously another barrier for reintegration for some people, not for everyone, but for some, and especially those with the catastrophic injuries. Some of them, including, um, as you mentioned, spinal cord injuries, but uh, visible and invisible injuries. Can you speak more to how this relates to the combat veteran? And absolutely, uh, absolutely. And I, you know, if you roll back the clock, I guess ten years in two thousand and six, mm-hmm. uh, and you look at the headlines back then, it's it was failed intimate relationships are the leading cause of suicide in the military, and that was out, mm. put out by you know um, the 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 army at the time and there was well, there's a lot of pushback about that because there's obviously a lot of complex issues mm-hmm. that go in, into su- suicides multiple deployments et cetera et cetera um, but it um, it definitely takes its toll and so we 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 started to look at um, what what are what are the particular effects of that and so in the context as you said when I'm working with people with Spinal cord injuries, or or even whether they be, you know, combat related or others. When I'm working with physical injuries, multiple sclerosis, um, cerebral palsy, whatever it may be, um, I say those are kind of easier things because I could, I could troubleshoot and I could help people with positioning, mm-hmm. and I could help people with alternative ways of stimulation to get sensation, and I could get send them to urologist and deal with the rectal dysfunction and, and, and all that. Uh, but, you know, when we bring in, whether it be a mild, quote-unquote, uh, traumatic brain injury, PTSD, depression, that's when things get even more complicated, mm-hmm. you know. So in my research and in orgasm and looking at people with spinal cord injuries and in laboratory research with women with complete injuries, so by the books before our research, it was supposed to be impossible for them to experience orgasm. Some of them did. And I did qualitative research and asked them about their, their experience over time. And, and people would say, oh, after my injury, it's not the same. It's not normal. And usually people, men and women, first experience is masturbation. They say, yeah, it's pointless. Why bother? And then they have a lived experience with a partner who may have avoided them avoided them, cheated on them, um, or or it was a bad experience. And once again, they say it's pointless, Not bo- why, why bother? I asked everybody, tell me about a peak sexual experience, whether they experienced orgasm or not. And they said I needed to be with a partner I trusted, and it was in a context of 
both emotional and physical safety. And then they felt this sense of connectiveness. So if we say like the foundation of intimacy and, and, and you know, great or, 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 or good, you know, good sexual experiences uh, has to do with uh, having an area of trust and safety, these things um, can uh, be eroded by symptoms of whether it be brain injury or PTSD or depression. So, you know, to, just take anger or anger discontrol, right? So if you don't know when your partner is going to blow up, you know, that could then begin to threaten both trust and safety, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, Um, it could. And if we get just to uh, sleeplessness, so a huge, huge issue, right? Mm -hmm. So then people may not even be sleeping in the same room, right? And sleeplessness leads to irritation during the day, right? which then right. leads to maybe more irritation, more anger outburst, you know. Um, and so so you could look at any one of these symptoms. So, you know, I, I have published a chart, and it starts with anger discontrol. It goes to avoidance of sex, which is, which is another big issue, is blaming others, denial, emotional num- numbness, um, even forget- forgetfulness, easily frustrated, uh, all the way down to loss of concentration, medication effects, uh, nightmares, uh, short-term memory loss, sleeplessness, and social withdrawal. All of them, each one I have against the foundations of intimacy, communication, trust, safety, impulse control, uh, the be- ability to perceive your partner's needs. So sometimes mm-hmm. that's totally lost, especially with brain injury or respond to your partner's needs, right? So Mitch, yeah. I, I, I have a lot of caregiver friends okay. and you mentioned the spinal cord injury. And so I, I know several with their spouses have the spinal cord injury. So how do you like combat? Cause it really, it's, it's a lot has to do with that nerve damage. So what, what can you tell them? What can you, how, how do you help someone when it comes to that? And I'm sure you've experienced that with the nerve damage because I mean, absolutely. So kind of nothing's about, working, so to speak. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. so mechanically I tell people mechanically if they want to have, and we're talking about a, a male here mostly as far as for the, um, for your caregiver friends or women with spinal cord injuries too. Cause I know both, uh, but let's say in e- either case, um, in either case, I tell people if they want to have intercourse, we can figure that out. You know, whether it's giving you a pill or injection or whether it's lubrication and, and positioning. But it's the loss of sensation the, and, and whether it's diminished sensation or complete loss of sensation uh, that, you know, we don't have a cure for. So what I do is work with people to find alternative ways uh, of, of stimulation. And, you know, and I, and I used our laboratory research that says you know, and my, and my qualitative research and stories, which I have in a book, and the book is Regain That Feeling, Secrets to Sexual Self-Discovery, uh, let them one know that it's possible over time to relearn, to experience pleasure and even orgasm, uh, that we've measured this in the laboratory, that it could happen, you know, through stimulation of other parts of the body that do have sensation, um, when your mind is in the right place. So we have to, you know, first get people beyond it's not the same, it's not normal, it's pointless, why bother? 
you know, so, uh, you know, I'd ask people, what are you thinking about when you were self-stimulating? They, they were saying, I was wondering if it still works. So <laughs> it, that loss of sensation is, you know, really screws with your mind, right? Um, and it's, it's a real loss. But once we could get people to um, accept that that loss is there, uh, but also know that we could work with them, uh, that they will be able to experience this. Excuse thing me, Mitch. I'm so sorry. Again. I'm going to yeah. have to break you off. We're going on a okay. break. You're listening to Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back. Great. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Many of us look forward to the holidays all year long. It is such a magnificent opportunity to get together with family and friends and decorate and give gifts and eat the most delicious food. But numerous people dread the holidays. As far as their weight, health, and exercise are concerned, they know they'll have so much temptation and chances to derail their healthy lifestyle. Many just resolve themselves into thinking that gaining weight over the holidays is a fact and there is no way to avoid it. But it doesn't have to be that way. I want you to embrace the holidays. Have a plan before you go to any dinner, party, or event and decide what you're going to eat and stick with it. Yes, there will be temptation, but you can overcome it. Stay with the plan and reap the benefits. You can contact us at fitnessminute at annettehammond.com. February is National Chocolate Month. Historians say the Aztecs discovered chocolate 3,100 years ago, and it was revered to the point of worship. The word chocolate comes from the Aztec word chocolatl, which referred to the bitter, spicy drink the Aztecs made from the cacao beans. The first chocolate bar was invented in 1847 by Joseph Fry. Did you know that it takes one year for a cacao tree to produce enough pods to make 10 chocolate bars? The scientific name for the tree that chocolate comes from, Theobroma cacao, means food of the gods. Man cannot live by chocolate alone, but we women sure can. Personally, I could give up chocolate, but I'm not a quitter. It's Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're continuing our discussion with Dr. Mitch Tepper, and we are talking about human sexuality and intimacy and communication. And Mitch, perhaps we could finish your thought, which we um, had to interrupt with the break, about spinal cord injuries. And then I'd love to move us into what a a great number of people are having difficulty with, and and that is relationships and intimacy after PTSD or TBI. So let's finish with the spinal cord and take that away. Great. So with the spinal cord injury, as I was saying, the important thing – for someone who has lost total sensation or, or you know, what they know as normal sensation is to let them know that their sex life is not over, 
that they're going to have the ability to experience uh, pleasure and even orgasm again. It's a process of sexual self-discovery that we can coach them through. Okay. And so that goes to, to someone who's also lost their genitals. Right. Right. So, you know, obviously a major, major, um, psychological issue and, and, and such, but there is still, you know, the potential the body has and the brain has the potential, uh, for pleasure and orgasm. If we're open to relearning, um, mine is that powerful, huh? The mind is that powerful. What that gets us into a tricky place, because forever, you know, we talk about okay, the brain is the is really the the heart or the center of of human sexuality, not the genitals, right? And you know that controls orgasm, and we show it in the lab. But what do you do when your brain is injured, mm -hmm. right? Right. And when you're not processing things the same way, or if you have uh, uh, PS, you know, post-traumatic stress, um, it, it, you know, that's going to interfere with our communication, our processing and our intimacy. And those are, I find, you know, the, the, the bigger challenge than, as I said, overcoming, uh, both, uh, mechanical issues and, and also, you know, substituting, uh, different sensations and stimulation to, to create pleasure. Hmm. You know, in terms of um, PTSD, you mentioned already uh, an insomnia um, and anger, medications. There are a lot of things to overcome just from coming back, reintegrating, um, being away on a deployment, uh, being able to connect commu communication-wise with your partner. There are a lot of things to take care of. And often you hear two stories. You You hear either... They want to jump back in bed because that's the means of connection that worked before, or I want no part of that yet because my head isn't back here in this country yet. How do you bridge the gap between either of those situations? You know, sex can be an expression of love. It could be an expression of aggression. It could be a tension reliever, uh, or it could create such anxiety you want to avoid it. Um, or you want to avoid it because you're feeling not lovable. Uh, there are a lot of moral injuries, which we didn't even talk about. Very uh, true. So, you know, people, you know, are carrying a lot of shame. Uh, they talk to me about, you know, shadows on their, on their souls, you know. So when people talk, they, they talk in, in, in areas of, of more um, moral injuries as much as, as 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 other things so i mean what back in 2008 i held a conference in washington dc called wounded troops and partners supporting intimate relationships and one of the outcomes uh was working with uh, the va we started uh in augusta with charlie norwood with the uh, chaplains and social workers so they wanted to start retreats and there weren't any in the va at the time um and so I provided technical assistance and went through all these quote unquote marriage, but the relationship programs, but the very marriage curriculums and relationship mm -hmm. curriculums and identified this program called PEERS. And PEERS is an, is an acronym for practical applications of intimate relationship skills. And I chose PEERS over all the others because it was very skill based and very practical and very eclectic. And it was something that could be led 
uh, by by lay people. You didn't have to be a mental health professional. Mm-hmm. So the chap, although we have social workers in, involved in the VA uh, there, the chaplains and the social workers can do it, but also people, who, veterans themselves can learn to be peers facilitators. Um, and so we uh, had these, you know, first weekends, the first time was a, a long weekend over Valentine's Day weekend, where we teach people, you know, communication skills and uh, problem resolution skills and, you know, uh, emotional empathy. And, and, and it's a really incredible, powerful program uh, that, you know, in time, first it won a Chaplain's Best Practice Award, and we went from just Augusta to Vision 7, which is down here in the southeast, to uh, instituting a – someone picked it up in California, and then uh, it was instituted into the VA as uh, Warriors to Soulmates. So I encourage anybody uh, who's having difficulties in communications uh, – I don't know specifically in what states it's offered. I know – here in, in Georgia and um, in North Carolina and, and our Vision 7, uh, it's offered, I believe, quarterly. Uh, now, is this something that's offered for just – is it for active duty? Is it for veterans? Is it uh, this is – I think they, they take active duty too. It's veterans. The active duty people um, have the Strong Bonds program. But okay. once again, so look, when I was creating this program for the VA or working with them, what we did is – you know, adapt um, the pairs program so it's more culturally sensitive to to military. So we okay. all the examples we used over the weekend came from real stories that were generated from you know the chaplains and the social workers from people they work with. The images we changed to put military images in there. So we mm-hmm. we made it relevant, and it was facilitated by you know people within uh, there. So um, so we had. But I, I was going to call it strong bonds for life, but there was some resistance to that. But so I talked to the um, just issues between the VA. Yeah, that could be that could be a little tricky. That. Yes, yeah. So uh, you know, here I, I am a civilian, and I'm outside, so I'm not used to the different silos and such. So the um, so it it's it eventually became Warriors to Soulmates. Great name. Um, the well, what was your question there? I lost myself when you when you. Um, where it is offered and okay so so it's so uh, on the on the um dod side on the military side is the strong bonds program mm-hmm. but when when i was investigating and i was talking to the the um the head of the chaplains in the army um and looking at it there at the time i think there was about six million dollars invested in the program which you know really it touched really only like one percent of you know, of, of the active military people. And, you know, uh, the purpose, I think, uh, behind it is um, force readiness and retention, mm-hmm. right? And so, Meyer, I was building an argument, trying to build the argument, if we could spend $6 million uh, on active duty, then we should be able to spend equal money for our veterans who are injured and suffering right. still. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know... Things take a long time, but we we did go from having just you know raising money for a a, a, a weekend at a time to having it in a in a in a vision, and then if there's not um, if there's not a retreat near you, the Pierce Foundation right. 
we're in a contract with the VA to train, I believe, a thousand chaplains and 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 social workers. So there should be a trained chaplain and social worker over time, almost everywhere. And if you go to the pairs, and I think it's pairs.com. It's just yeah. com. Okay. Yep. And you go and you go click on the list of people who are pairs uh, facilitators. It's now the majority of people are are from chap are chaplains or social workers from from the VA. So um, you you could look at from there, but you could search through there. I don't know how to access how to get yourself into a strong bond program when you're active duty. That would uh, be easy enough just to call military one source for the active duty. Yeah. No, it's usually through through the chaplain. Um, I, I was lucky enough, my husband and I were lucky enough to attend one of those uh, those retreats, those strong bonds retreats while we were active duty. And it it really did. It, it was eye opening, to say the least. Did you get the whole weekend treatment or did you get the five languages of love? We did get the whole weekend, actually, um, and Great. it and it was good. But they did talk about the five love languages, and um, they they gave us several books and several things. And there's one thing that we still use, which ties into the communication piece, and and that is, you know, so so what I hear you saying is, and we'll joke all the time because sometimes we, I mean, we would always have arguments about different things, but we weren't really hearing each other. Yes. We were just speaking just to just to just to be heard. And um and so now we'll definitely look at each other and you know, and one of us will either giggle and say, Okay, okay. So so what I hear you saying is and we joke about, you know, because yeah. you know, I mean who who really says that, you know? Yeah. But um so but we, we do. We do it in a joking way and it is very helpful. But now on the veteran side of it, I you know, I didn't I actually didn't know there was really anything out there um, you know, to assist. I know that, um, you know, you, to me, I keep thinking about the, the mind and, and the mental aspect of it. Um, you know, when you mentioned the anger and the avoidance and, uh, the denial, you know, all those things, um, to me, it, it, it makes sense. Um, and I didn't know that there was, there was pairs out there. So now I'm definitely going to check it out and, um, make sure I, I spread that information out because this is yeah, something that many caregivers, you know, we don't talk when about. When you're on the VA site, search Warriors to Soulmate because that's what it's, how it's branded now. Oh, and, and you could go definitely to the peer site too and, and they, they, they know what's going on because they work directly with the VA. Right. So, uh, no, it, it is a continuity of the programs. I'm delighted to see that it is getting more time and attention because that is terribly important. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a little difference that Strong Bonds is based on a program called PrEP, uh, mm-hmm. which, is a, which is a fine program. Uh, but I think, you know, just comparing them, I, I, it, you know, it's, it, it's a little, I think there's a little more practicality, a little more skill building. Um, both great programs, but. Yeah, the pairs is wonderful. <laughs> biased, I'm biased. Sorry. That's all, that's all right. A bias toward a good program is an excellent thing. I think it is very important that we have these options for people to go to because there's hope in talking and connecting again. We're going to go on a short break. You're listening to Military Network Radio, and we'll be back right after these short messages. Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages.
hear about the Gabrielunzi bear caught rummaging through a refrigerator in an apartment in Colorado? The tenant heard noises coming from the kitchen and saw a bear with his head in the fridge looking for anything it could eat. What's a word for food that's unfit for human consumption? Ma wallop. The tenant locked himself in his bedroom and called for help. What's a word for the fear of bears? Ursophobia. We have lots of bears near our Colorado cabin, and we have been told that pepper spray will keep them away. But the idea that it would keep a 500-pound grizzly bear from attacking seems ridiculous to me. I think I'll try the pepper spray in myself and hope the bear doesn't like spicy foods. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has the unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're continuing our discussion with Dr. Mitch Tepper, and we're talking about sexuality, intimacy, after and love after war. So I guess I'll ask a very basic question. What is the process when someone has decided they do want to talk about this and, and find alternatives or hope, but they're lacking some of the words perhaps to use. So if someone comes to your practice or anyone else's practice and says, uh, I don't really understand it. We're not connected the way we used to be and sex is difficult or we're not having sex at all, or I feel like I've lost a vital part of my relationship. How do you walk through that with a couple? Well, I think the best way to kind of describe this is just give you a, a story of something that, that happened. So it was our first pairs weekend. And um, one of the couples, it's, it's a, I remember this very specifically because we were doing something called emptying the emotional jug. And it's, you mm-hmm. know, you know, what are you, what are you, one of the things is, what are you worried about? What else are you worried about? What, is, what are you afraid of? You know? And so you keep answering the, ask these questions. And this, this guy's biggest fear was failure. All right. Um, so at the end of the workshop, I'm doing something, preparing slides for the next day. And they asked me if they could talk to me. So this couple comes up to me and, and they tell me this issue. And so he's having a problem. And now this is a person with no, visible injuries okay mm-hmm. uh but he has multiple um orthopedic injuries mm-hmm. with lots of pain and brain injury 
And so he self-diagnosed. He thought it was something psychological because he was losing his erection uh, during during intercourse, and he had a morning erection. So he self-diagnosed himself. She was feeling like it was all her issue uh, because she gained some weight and he wasn't attracted to her anymore. Uh, she was when I when I was asking them questions, uh, and this is while I'm doing my slides. Um, is she's she's beginning to break down in tears because she's revealing, you know, her aspect of what she thought, you know, the the situation was and why he wasn't attracted to her and she gained weight and changed, and you know he had told me about that and he never really thought anything about his pain and his positioning and when he's on top, the 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 amount of pain he he has and the medication he's on. Uh, that that may be causing him to lose his erection. And so, you know, when we were able to talk about, you know, what was happening, you know, in the situation and me getting a history of the medication and the, and the pain and for her to understand it wasn't her, she wasn't and he to be able to tell her that I still love you. I still find you beautiful. I'm still attracted to you, you know, and to understand that this loss of erection during intercourse was, you know, medical based on medication and pain mm -hmm. and then to find ways of timing around medication and to find different positions. Uh, but just the relief on her part, knowing that it wasn't her and the relief on his part, knowing it wasn't just in his head. I can't imagine how freeing that would be. Yeah. And yeah, this is, this is over 15 minutes. You know what I mean? I, I, I often tell people what I do isn't rocket science. Um, but when these things aren't shared mm -hmm. and the fantasies, the imaginations of each partner just run wild right. and the, the vision just gets bigger. I mean, if you have time, I'll tell you another story. Sure. Go ahead. Um, so couple, this is, you know, catastrophic injury, physical and, and, and brain injury, but mild brain injury, quote unquote, I always say quote unquote, because mm -hmm mild brain injuries can be just as much as a problem as more severe brain injuries. Um, but anyway, things are going along fine for years. We work on issues of mechanics. We get all the mechanical stuff done fine. And then, you know, I lose touch with people when I meet up with them again a couple of years later again, and, and things are going wrong. And both people are seeing uh, their own person, and then they see a couple's counselors together, but they're not getting anywhere, and they ask if I could get involved. So I take a more thorough history because I come at it from a different angle. And then they, they trusted me because they've been in workshops with me and they know I have a disability. So that I thought I would understand things more than, than, the, than the people they were seeing. And after taking a history, we, we determined you know, that the real source uh, had been the, 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 the loss of a father on the man's part. 18 hmm. months earlier and that led him into a depression and into withdrawal and to more symptoms uh, of his brain injury, which he didn't exhibit. So uh, anyone who's has a brain injury or is in relationship with someone with a brain injury knows that those symptoms come and go depending on the situation, the stress, et cetera. And anyway, during those 18 months, the relationship got more and more strained and I asked them, I said, you know, did you 
happened to share this with your wife as far as the, his feelings over the loss. And he said, I might have. And when I'm talking to a guy and he said, I might have, I know he did. <laughs> yeah. um, and so what I, I would do, say anything. you know, what I would do typically is if it's a couple situation is the couple who brought the issue to me, I meet with them. And this is maybe different than other people because some people meet with people together. I interview the couple who the person who brings the problem to me first. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's 60 to 90 minutes. And then I interview the partner alone, and that's usually about 60 minutes. And then I bring that, them together you know, for another session to kind of report back for another like 60 minutes. So with this couple, it was long distance. I reported back. I met with him. I met, I met with her. I met with him. And then I reported back when they were together with their therapist. you know, mm-hmm. And it was just cathartic for her to learn and she felt very bad because she if she knew the issue then she she felt she could have been there to support him instead of getting more angry all the time right and so once you know we got to the root cause of the problem then their therapists were able to work with that more and and move forward in a more positive area you know so so you know typically that's that's what I'll do so I'll do and I think any good therapist, and Linda Mona, Dr. Mona, uh, any any good, and I'm not a therapist, but I'm, I am an ASEC, which is the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, Therapists, certified educator and counselor. So um, I do take, and I teach medical professionals how to take sexual health assessments. Uh, and and so, you know, we do ask ask the right questions, both about physical, psychological relationship, past history. Uh, and, and once you get a good understanding of the issues, then, you know, the, the coach, the, the counselor, the therapist, then becomes just a, a, a mediator of that conversation. The, the power going back to peers is the peers is a very different model. I mean, the peers gives you the tools to deal with things and lets you come up with your own solutions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think so, both are helpful. So how do you, um, how do you deal? I'm, I'm looking at the avoidance thing because there's, you know, the military sexual traumas, there's, there's a lot of, um, veteran right. friends that I know that have personally have experienced that and, and are still dealing with that or, or not dealing with it because many of them will, will choose to just avoid it, but yet it causes so many issues, you know, in their personal relationships with their spouses and, and, you know, when it comes to their sex lives. So, you know, how do you get them to, to get to that root of the problem? Is it just, is it, is yeah, it just so avoidance, conversation? Avoid, <laughs> avoidance is, you know, obviously it's very painful uh, to the partner who's being avoided, right? For the partner who's doing the avoiding, they're avoiding for a reason. Right. So it's either fear of failure uh, or, like I said, not feeling lovable or there or, or, or sometimes um, arousal could trigger um, a PTSD event. Right. And so uh, whatever reason that why they're avoiding, um, we need to you, you can't do these things in a vacuum. So we need to I would talk with the person who's doing the avoiding and, and get an understanding if they would share with me what some of their core issues are. And then I would explain uh, to them because they don't always get it. 
um, the damage that avoidance does on the relationships. And, and you may say they get it. It seems like they get it. But like when people come to the peers programs, they, they would say, well, well, I knew it. But when they left, they really understood it because they heard from other people going through the same thing. So I believe so wholeheartedly in peer support and group work. Because when you're isolated, especially like a lot of the reserves and guards, you know, you are isolated and you see these things and you think, well, it's been a year, it's been two years, you should get over it by now, mm. right? And when they are in a group with other people and people are 10 years post and, and they're not over it and they see it's not so easy just to get over it, people begin to cut each other a little bit more slack, you know, so they- there be some like compassion uh, towards each other. Absolutely. Uh, and that only comes from thorough understanding. Right. You know, it's interesting. Um, I, we'll, we have just a short time before the break. Maybe we'll have to continue afterward. But there's also fears when you come home that there has been infidelity on either side. And that can also play a part in terms of where we go forward as a pair. Or that it's, again, coming back to the trust issue. Yeah. Uh, how would you address those? Well, the fears of infidelity, I mean, are, are, are huge. And I mean, we're, we're going to tie it into a different thing. Um, the, the access to porn overseas is way more than here. So if someone comes home, right, and they want different kind of sex than when they left. And so right. a typical is anal sex. So you have a, a relationship where that wasn't part of your relationship. Uh, a partner goes overseas, comes back, and wants anal and it's like, why? You know, who did you experience this with? Or, you know, the partner that was away says, oh, while you're away, so-and-so, I saw so-and-so driving your truck, you know? Um, right. And so these suspicions come. And, and there are, there, I mean, there are infidelities too. Uh, so the thing is, you know, working, working through that first, you know, verifying whether it's there. Um, and, and if it is there and then working working through that because I, I don't believe fidelity is the the be all and end all of a relationship i think infidelities can can be worked through and um esther perel does some very beautiful work on that so um you could look up some of her her things on on youtube or wherever um but Good. i think infidelities are part of marriage in general and, and here we go we're going on our last break we'll be right back after these short messages Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Sacred Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we 
do old things in new ways and new things in old ways. We paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Vilasi is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures to her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons. Her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine, and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. was salvaged from the linguistic scrap heap by the Romans. It has remained in use in the Roman alphabet ever since, and now accounts for 2.5% of any page of written English. So today, I thought I would give you some fantastic words that start with the letter F. False eloquence is an 18th century word for lying. Fanfarinade is a 17th century word for an arrogant boaster. While a flapdoodler is a 19th century slang word for a person who talks nonsense and rubbish. A filly loo is a noisy uproar. And my favorite F word ever, floxy noxy knee hilly pillyfication, which means worthless trivia. For more letter of the day words, download my free app at twofunnyforwords.com. It's Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're continuing our discussion with Dr. Mitch Tepper. Mitch, I know there are a large number, a significant number of veterans who because they feel they're not the same as they were when they went to war, when they come home and they have injury of any type at all, some of them say, uh, I want to live apart from you right now. I want to Mm -hmm. fix myself and then we'll get together. I don't want to divorce you. I, I love you, but it's important for me to fix myself. And there are a lot of very sad partners who are, not really understanding all of this. So in addition to losing their person that they used to talk to and and share things with, they're now physically living apart, thereby making sex that much more difficult. How would you advise those couples? Because there is a significant number. And by the way, there are Facebook pages um, that do address this. They're closed groups for confidence sake. And I, I just think it's an important thing to discuss. Yeah, so I hear another therapist, Marty Klein, calls a lot of different things in relationships existential dilemmas. Mm-hmm. So you have this one partner who, who feels strongly they need to fix themselves and the other partner feeling like they don't have a choice. But I think everyone does have choices in relationships, right? And so he or she may need time to fix themselves, uh, but you as the caregiver, lover, partner uh, may need physical intimacy, presence, connection, right? And okay. so um, so there needs to be 
a conversation had and you know if you don't have the skills for the conversation that you learned in uh, in the peers program uh, i think some of these things need to be mediated by someone 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 trained with skills so the for the partner who's been left out of the picture uh they need to say you know you've been away for a year you've been away for 6 months you know i i need you here even if you're broken and if you can't be here you know uh, i need an outlet and so you know if you if you can't come back to me then i am going to exercise you know my my free will to x y and z i mean that's a that's like a, a dangerous ultimatum uh but i'm just saying there or i'm going to leave you because you know i could understand when you're on deployment you're on deployment but that's only you know if you want to or are willing to do these things otherwise uh you know it's it's i would say you know i once again peer support for people to talk to other people who thought they had to fix themselves in the past but really learned that they really needed help whether it's help from another veteran whether it's help from a psychologist a chaplain or whether help from a marriage and family therapist mm-hmm. uh, that you know heal thyself doesn't always work so well as i said people <laughs> to the wrong conclusions right. without the right guidance because we're not all that well educated on on the core issues Go ahead, Ty. Oh, I was going to say a lot of times too. I think to me, it just seems when I hear that um, couples will say that or certain individuals will say that it's, you know, it's kind of a selfish thing and it's almost like they, they don't want to deal with it. Um, um, And, and, and when, when there's kids involved, it's even that much more troubling and distress and there's no outlet, but that's a whole complete other story. Yeah. But the flip side (laughs) is right. If, he or she needs time and they feel like they're a danger to others or toxic to others. And if they are, maybe your kids are better if they're out of the house. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, they're not sure. easy. They're not easy answers to any of this, right? Um, but there needs to be discussion. Um, and it doesn't, you don't have to feel like, you know, that person because they have an injury or something like that, uh, that you have to, treat them like so fragile you know what i mean you have to stand up for yourself in relationship you know one of the things my professors once said a relationship is a struggle between me and we Mm -hmm. you know it's like how much togetherness how much separateness and and working out that balance and so there needs to be separateness but you don't need that much and so um really we have to keep our eyes open and understand how much help does this person need can you provide it? Are you the one they want it from? Um, but what are you willing to live with as the partner who is left out of that decision-making? Excellent points, all of them. And about the silence, one of the reasons we're doing this program is to encourage people to raise these issues, to talk about them, to not let them affect negatively their quality of life. Are there ways that you know of where if the couple isn't ready, but the individual in the couple relationship is, that they he or she can encourage the other one. Are there suggestions on that that you might have? Well, they 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 can encourage the other ones, but they can also if somebody is in like the the VA system, 
-hmm. Now, I don't know, once again, how up to speed they are all over, uh, but it's possible now, you know, there was an Omnibus Act in 2008 and went into effect in August 2010, which allows the VA actually to see the partner and open mm -hmm. up actually a collateral file for the for the partner. So mm -hmm. if it's the partner uh, that isn't getting anywhere and needs help uh, and it's their problem is connected to uh, the injured vet's problem, they could make themselves known to the VA, as I understand it. And someone could correct me if I'm wrong, uh, because I, you know, I was only at a, a joint appointment with the VA for a year as a as a researcher, and I was trying to implement more of these programs. And so, I would keep tabs on what was going on in this area nationally. So, not everybody in every hospital knows what's going on, but they were at that point they approved hiring marriage and family therapists for the VA, which never happened before 2010. Mm -hmm. And they approved training in, in a, for 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 different health professionals in couples counseling. So, since 2010, uh, so over the last five years, more people are trained in couples counseling, and there's more specific marriage and family therapists that have been hired by the VA. Understanding that before then there was none of this, um, and so the the, the the partner, if they're experiencing stress or or kind of uh, you know, kind of mental health issues, secondary to the you know the the injured person's thing, they could try to avail themselves of help through through the VA. And then, oh, of course, there's always all these you know um, non-governmental organizations, mm -hmm. service organizations that that one run retreats and such too. Um, and to give an hour, you know, as a as a program mm -hmm. too. Um, so so there are, there are places to go. Um, I haven't like researched how accessible uh, the marriage and family therapy and, and couples counseling is in the VA lately. No, but I think what you have done in this program is to raise the idea of talking, the help mm -hmm. is available, and that there are hope, hopeful um, alternatives to just simply accepting the fact that life isn't the way it was before. I want to make sure that people know how to find out more information about what you're doing and, and be in contact with you. So could you share where someone uh, can receive more information, please? Sure. I think the simplest place to start is loveafterwar.org. So simply L-O-V-E-A-N-D-L-O-V-E-A-F-T-E-R-W-A-R.org. Mm -hmm. uh, -E -E and from there, just sign up join whatever the website and then you could link to the Facebook page where you could be interactive. You could follow me on Twitter. And so as things happen, um, soon I'm going to be um, releasing at least a promotion of a, of a documentary I'm working on called Making Love After Making War, which will tell the stories of people who have exhibited sexual, I call it sexual resilience. They've, they've managed to maintain emotional closeness and physical I intimacy despite loss of legs and limbs and testicles and, and despite you no know, brain injury. So, you know, that I, I've got one, one, one couple interviewed and, and done, which I'm going to be doing some private screenings to help raise some money for, to do more. And then I'll hopefully, you know, by a year from now, I'll have a full length documentary that hopefully we'll get on HBO or Netflix or something, but loveafterwar.org. You'll be able to keep track with me. Eventually, I get the newsletters out and and follow me. I like I tweeted this morning that I'd be on the show. 
Um, so if you were following me, you would you would know that. We will also do the same afterward. I, I want to thank you for bringing this topic to light. I, I think there's three things I, I want to leave with people. And then, uh, to Sombra, I'll let you close up and then I'll take us out. Is that sexual intimacy, sexual wellness is a very important part of life. And you have the courage to discuss it, the sensitivity to understand once you are discussing it, and then compassion both with yourself and with your partner. And if you can pull those three things together, chances are quite good for a positive outcome and a repair of that relationship. Would that be accurate? Yes. And with the compassion, you have to actually be able to to see your partner from their eyes. You know, mm-hmm. we right. look at someone else based on what we need and they look at us based on what we need. We need to put ourselves in their shoes and they need to put themselves in our shoes, which is empathy, you know, um, right. which is another huge aspect. I think it's good. I've, I've, I've enjoyed and I've learned a lot. Um, I'm definitely going to share, you know, the loveafterwar.org and um, I, I'm thankful. Thank you for having me on, Linda and um, Dr. Mitchell. It's, it's been great. Thank you. We've got a good another minute and a half. Mitch, is there anything else that we've left out that you feel are really important points that you want our uh, audience to listen to? Well, to reiterate um, the importance of you know communication, trust, and safety, mm-hmm. uh, I think maybe we've we've beat that to death. But um, you, I don't think you can ever say it too much. <laughs> I really don't. Communication, connection, sense of belonging, openness, and, and, is and talking with other people. Because you know, you, you and I first met at a Road to Recovery conference where they bring hundred, hundred fifty you know, families together and we run workshops and, and people were there, as I said, sometimes 11 years post-deployment, they never, ever, no one in the healthcare system talked to them about this. So this was the first time. And then we, you know, at the last time right. we, did, we had a, a suite and people were coming in all. Mitch, the- I'm so sorry, but we are done for this hour. Please right. find out more information. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com. And in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance your